by the power of Castle Hate Skull, I am Elamar Carly. Somebody actually imitated me doing that. A guy named Corey, I believe it's Corey Philpot. Could be totally butchering his last name, but he is an extreme endurance athlete. He did like a Ironman triathlon with a log on his back or something crazy like that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to come back to him at some point. I've featured him on here actually with one of his videos, but he uh, randomly did a story where like somebody's filming him and he comes in and he's like, I'm hella Mark. <laughs> and I just get a kick out of that because imitation is the highest form of flattery, people. How are we doing? Are we exercising? I can ask you that because. I am exercising despite all the difficulties in my life that I'll get into. So many profound difficulties and barriers just to doing the most basic things. Um, you know, part of being an adult is just doing things that you don't want to do. And I consider exercise one of them because you're not always going to want to exercise. And I experience that more than you might imagine. It doesn't get much easier. It does get easier if you have a habit, but... Uh, I'll just say that when you get sick, for example, and this is going to be the first thing in my subfold, I talked to Casey about this before we started the show. I said, you know, the only thing I have listed here is bronchitis, and uh, I feel self-conscious about making my life about things that happen to me because I don't like portraying myself as the victim of sickness. And uh, I was telling a little story about my freshman year of college. There was this uh, kid who lived across from me who happened to be openly gay and flamboyant, and this is relevant to the story just because the manner in which he dealt with having a cold, I remember, stuck in my mind as sort of the opposite of how I would ever want to inform other people of any sort of illness that I had. I remember I could hear him, he lived across the hall from me, and he went out from his room into the hallway to make a series of phone calls to seemingly everyone in his Rolodex to inform them that he had a cold. Like, so it's one of those things like, he calls them, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm just have a cold, I'm like super stuffed up, and you know, over and over and over again. And I just remember thinking, at that ripe age of 18 years old, don't be the guy who's constantly telling people that you're sick uh, in order to procure sympathy, right? I would rather have success than sympathy. Maybe you want that too. But the fact of the matter is, I think I got bronchitis in Arizona. We went to Phoenix. I went with uh, Brendan to his shows out there. Really fun time. But anytime you're flying and you're interacting with a bunch of people, you just up your odds of sickness. During the uh, pandemic, I didn't mean to question <laughs> the pandemic. Yeah, um, it was a pandemic. I'm just saying like, you know, the... The sort of the phrases that you might use to describe that period of time, I guess, are kind of loose. It's like people would be like the lockdown, the pandemic, the COVID, you know, the barriers of that time frame are sort of nebulous. But during a good chunk of that time, most people's travel and interaction with other people was so significantly reduced. And in my case, it was that you just don't end up getting sick at all. Right. You don't get you don't end up getting the cold or anything. So I'd like gone this very long stretch of time without so much as getting a cold. And then all of a sudden I had COVID and then now bronchitis back to back. And I say bronchitis, I thought it was just like a normal cold or I thought I was going hoarse from talking so much. And then I realized that there was certain symptoms like a deep sort of um, cough in your, your lungs. It feels deep down in your chest and you have a nasal drip, but it feels like there's more mucus going on in here. And um, you know, the symptoms just matched up all say that. And so, you know, when your lungs are filled up with mucus and, and you have this deep, disgusting cough, you don't necessarily feel like working out. But I have to say, when I look at my entire life and the opportunities that I've had uh, to either work out or not, when I don't feel like it, I've, I can never really think of even one workout that I've regretted doing. I may have regretted I remember I didn't feel up to working out one time when I was in high school and I, cause I was sick and I forced myself to do like an entire leg workout with excessive volume anyway, cause that's how I worked out back then. And it ended up making me feel like worse. Like I had to lay down and all this stuff, which isn't the worst thing in the world. But short of that, if you can scale your workouts to how you're feeling and not push too hard, but still show up and do something, I've never regretted that. 
and it also helps maintain that habit so you don't have to have that feeling of like, now I'm starting again, right? Oh, I took this week off because I was sick. Maybe you work out less frequently, maybe you work out less intensely, but it's just something that I felt worthy to report on was the fact that through this, and it helps that I have workout partners and people who ask me to work out because maybe I wouldn't do that if they didn't ask me, but I'll say yes to it. And maybe there's other things that you can say yes to rather than deny, or just say yes to that voice in your head that's saying, hey, you lazy piece of beep, first three minutes, right? Are we <laughs> No swearing. Watch, you know, watch these numbers just go up and up and up. The cleaner I make this podcast, once I start catering to children and just opening toys on camera, we're going to blow the F up. All right. So main point of that was I got sick, still worked out. Here I am. <laughs> you just, you can't hold me down. Okay. You, you, you can, you can infect my lungs. You can give me, uh, uh, you know, uh, viruses that may or may not be um, man-made and uh, a product of uh, Chinese bio uh, weapon factory designed to undermine Western society. Um, but, you know, you can't hold me as an individual down because the individual still reigns supreme. Suck it, China. Take that. Lockdown Shanghai. Anyway, what do you guys think about NFTs? That's cool, I guess. That's the other thing that I wrote down in my subful. Are you are you investing in NFTs? I'm not. Okay, you should. I, I, no. I still honestly don't really get them. Yeah, neither do I. But I'm working on one now, apparently. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm like, I'm somebody who's been using cryptocurrency for quite some time now. Definitely not to buy illicit substances off the dark web. That would be crazy. Um, just for investment purposes. <laughs> I remember actually going to like when you had to buy it in person. I'd go to the store and the guy would be like, "What are you buying all this Bitcoin for?" I'm like. Just saving it up. <laughs> like, oh, you're buying a really specific amount there. <laughs> Come in and buy like 40 bucks worth. <laughs> Come in. What's funny is if had I kept all of that or even half of that, I don't think I'd be podcasting because I'd be a millionaire. Oops. Um, I don't know much about NFTs other than I, I feel like you can sort of compare them to cryptocurrencies in the sense that it's, you know, you own something that's digital but unique. And uh, it, it could potentially go up in value like anything else uh, that's determined by how much people are willing to pay for it. Uh, my good friend Nick Ritchie, who has been on this podcast before, he's the writer-director of 1-800-HOT-NIGHT in addition to Lolo. He has created a NFT project that has um, – it's, it's going in full swing. He's created a really interesting backstory for it. This is one thing I didn't know, so I'm going to go through like – NFTs, I didn't know anything about them, and now here's what I do know that I didn't know before. They all have a storyline, apparently, like a backstory, right? And so his NFT thing is the knights who say nah, and it's like a collection of knights throughout time who come together to like, and their purpose is to, you know, inform people of the history of knights and these artifacts that, uh, you know, are going to be involved in the creation of, you know, these unique digital images. What's Nick's connection to this? He works for a guy who has some crazy collection of um, artifacts from these time periods. I guess the medieval time period, you know, would be like <laughs> revealing how much, how little I know about history. Uh, but he's got all sorts of like armor and swords and weapons and different things that, uh, you know, are these unique historical artifacts. And I guess he's, he's got some title. It's like, you know, he's got the biggest private collection of medieval artifacts on earth or something like that, you know. So this is how some people spend their money. Um, and they're going to be using those to create, like they're taking pictures and 3D models of them to like, like this in and of itself. It's like you can own the NFT of this ancient sword or something like that. And so he recruited me to do um, some promotional skits with my buddy Boomer that we're going to film uh, pretty soon here. And again, had I not like known about or had I, uh, you know, not been involved in this, I would know even less about it. But 
this actually does seem like kind of a cool thing and maybe more legitimate than other, because every time I hear about NFTs, it's always like in reference to a celebrity scamming people, <laughs> right? It's like, I've partnered up with this and this to create an NFT that's gonna be really helping the community in this and that way. Um, but like actually knowing Nick and knowing that he's like super knowledgeable and passionate about these uh, particular artifacts and he's, you know, he's had to develop this expertise in order to like, um, categorize them and, and he like restores them and, and does a lot of work with them that, you know, uh, requires him to have a certain expertise. Uh, I, I, I put that in a different category and he seems, he seems to be doing things in the correct way and, and not just paying lip service to the idea of like, we're helping this thing, you know, it does seem actually designed to bring attention and awareness to a very specific set of historical artifacts. So when you guys see these promotions drop on Instagram, like, share, comment, retweet, and hit the subscription bell, all that stuff. Speaking of bells, you know, do you, do you know Mark Bell? Sounds Mark familiar. Smelly Bell? <laughs> so, sounds familiar. He's, um, and I always forget, like in the fitness world, there's these celebrities and then there's um, other people who I consider to be super well known and maybe other people don't know them, but I watch Mark Bell's podcast. He's the inventor of the slingshot. Um, he is, uh, well, his brother, Chris Bell made bigger, faster, stronger. And so Mark is in that. And I thought that was an amazing documentary. And, um, you know, he just seems like a cool guy. He reached out to me. He's a former like, uh, powerlifting record holder has some insane numbers on, equipped bench, I think like in the 800 pounds, um, and squatting over a thousand equipped, um, you know, in squat suits and stuff like that. And I, but I think his raw bench is actually close to like 600 pounds, which is pretty insane. And just a really interesting, I was done, you know, he's done the powerlifting thing. Now he's, uh, kind of got a more, more of a bodybuilding. Let's look, look him up. All right. Mark, Mark, put up, put Mark. There he is. Yeah. So dude's jacked, has a great sense of humor. Um, and yeah, reached out to me to come up to Sacramento to shoot some content with him, whatever that means. I don't know, but I'm, I'm having fun, you know, as, as people, whatever, find me. I'm not sure exactly how he found me, but it's always exciting when people that you know, reach out to you and say, Hey, let's do some stuff. And you're like, I don't even need to ask what kind of stuff we're going to be doing. Let's just do it. And so that's, what's exciting me currently now. All right, let's take a break from talking about how jacked I am and how jacked you can get if you follow my advice to talk about Happy Hippo. Now, I use Happy Hippo Kratom to podcast. I use it to be creative. I use it to be productive. It's my favorite nootropic substance. So if you visit happyhippoherbals.com and use promo code THICKBOY, you can enjoy some of this amazing Kratom too. Mark, how do you use it? Well, I'll tell you right now. I dry scoop it. I've used the pills. Um, uh, I've used various mechanisms to ingest this Kratom, and recently I've just been measuring out about a tablespoon of it because I calculated 0 0.025 uh, grams per pound of body weight, and I said, oh, tablespoon's about the perfect dose for me. Pop it in my mouth, washing something down uh, with a little energy drink, and, uh, and I'm good to go. So if you go to happyhippoherbals.com, promo code THICKBOY3Cs, get that 20% off for life. A lot of people have been asking me, Mark, how do you look so good today? Well, I think you already know the answer to that if you've been watching the podcast. It's oakandstoneclothing.com, where you can go right now and get this shirt. This is an XL short sleeve gray. It's part of the new spring drop for Oak and Stone. I really love it. It looks classy. It's really comfortable. It's breathable. Fits the arms just right. Not too tight. Not too loose. Uh, I love the clothes. All the materials are super high quality, ethically sourced. It's a small business that you can go support right now and support this pod as well by using code HELLA at checkout for 10% off. And I guarantee you're going to like the clothes. Uh, if you're a girl, if you're one of my <laughs> few female listeners, I know you're out there. Buy it for your boyfriend. Buy it for your husband. I guarantee he's going to like it too. And if you don't like it, you can call me up. We'll go on air. We can discuss how we can rectify the situation. I wanted to start off the next segment, um, Hater of the Week. We're putting this right up front. A little change in pace for the Hater of the Week because this time the Hater of the Week is me. 
Whoa. What? Say it ain't so, Mark. Oh, my God. Spoiler alert. Don't tell anybody this. If you're if you're watching this podcast and plan on sharing it with anybody, don't like share them. Be like, oh my god, the surprise twist of this episode is Mark's hater of the week. Just let them find it. Let them discover this on their own, and I think that'll be more satisfying. For now, you could talk about it with them afterwards, but just keep it under wraps, okay? Let let the people have their own moment of discovery and shock and awe and disgust, and then coming back to realizing there's a hater in all of us. So let's click on that link right here. And I'm just going to walk you through. Here we have the Island Boys. What happened to their hair? I don't know. Was it a wig the whole time? Now, are they twins? It sort of looks like they're twins, right? That's my assumption. But they never make reference to that fact, so it's confusing. We see one of the Island Boy twins putting on a display of boxing that is frankly embarrassing. And then he does a kick at the end. He's got these wild swinging bunches. Now, Casey, I, I mean, maybe I'm crazy. What does that look like to you? Dog shit. Dog shit. Okay. And I, I'm always confused by stuff like this because I get it that not everyone looks good when they box. And that's something that I'll always say, like, <laughs> people will give Christian, for example, uh, shit for boxing. But I'm like, he looks good when he's boxing. You know what I mean? Like, he throws crisp punches and... Anybody that can sort of like make sparring look good or just hitting a bag, it's like that's impressive to me because that requires a degree of speed, athleticism, um, you know, body awareness, kinesthetic awareness, whatever you want to call it. That um, it, does it translate necessarily to fighting? I, I don't, you know, I can't say. Maybe it does, but I think people don't have this grasp of like how goofy people look when they're trying to box and they're giving their best effort and they can't, you know. You'll see an athletic, uncoordinated people like Stephen A. Smith comes to mind. Oh, and that it's just was like atrocious. atrocious. And you go, "Hey, you allowed this clip to be posted online. Yeah, what were you thinking? It's like Are, you can see it. You, you can right. You, you have eyes, right? Yeah, like I, you watch, I mean, yeah. you know, it's not like I walked in on your private thing and right. it's like, oh my god, you're like you're naked and you have a small dick, and I'm going to tell right. the world." Um, this is something that you said, I know what I'm going to do with this footage. This needs to be seen by millions of people because I'm a huge celebrity and I want them to know that I hit mitts. So my comment on this was, you know you're delusional when you first film that. Second, look at the footage and think that looks dope. And third, upload it to the internet. Oh, you got it right there. Um, now, I talk about this a lot that I know what it feels like to be a hater. And in this instance, you know, I felt like it was appropriate. I didn't feel like I was out of bounds. But let's just say 99% of the time that I have those kinds of feelings or, or, or those thoughts in my head, I just check myself and I go, you don't need to post that. You don't need to comment that that's unnecessary. These are people too. Now, it does help that this was on Josh uh, Thompson's page and not on their page. So I feel like they're less likely to see it. And I just like, not that I'm scared of them seeing it, but that's what I think about is like, there's a receiving end of this comment. And I, you know, does that person need any extra criticism in their life? Where are they coming from? Are they coming from a place of like, I just want to share. And sometimes that is the case. And, you know, these factors play into whether or not I'll comment. And sometimes people like will comment on my page and do something like they'll refer to me in the third person. Like he looks like this and that. I'm like, I'm the one reading this comment. You know what I mean? Like it's directed at me, but it's like they're talking to their friends or something or tagging somebody else. And I know that's pretty common, and I probably do that too. It, but like, I realize it—it's because you create this like separation in your mind. And I'm—I'm I'm shocked that people do it to me because I don't consider myself to, you know, be a celebrity. But it's like, if I could see myself doing that to like somebody that's huge, that you feel like you do feel this distance, and therefore you're like, look at that thing, even though you're communicating in a totally direct way, and <laughs> that they can totally see if they log into their own IG and maybe it's different if they don't, but like I found it a bit jarring and strange and not offensive, but I'm like, oh, interesting. This person like doesn't think about the fact that I read these comments and then I go, oh wait, I do that too all the time. So here's me admitting that I'm a total hypocrite. Hippocrates, as Andrew Schultz would say. Um, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with having a little bit of hypocrisy and just going, you know, sometimes it's just, it feels good to shit on people. What can I say? Um, so the next segment I want to do is a lot of people have been asking me. Let's look at this gigantic screenshot here from Sean Kennedy 3. He took the time to write me. 
knowing that I do respond to people. It's getting harder and harder to respond to everyone because I'm taking on additional responsibilities that I can go into later. Um, so sometimes I look at, if I don't know you or I haven't corresponded with you, you know, or I, I don't see something like a work, I do like workout questions. I do like favor certain kinds of questions, certain categories. Even in this one, like this doesn't, <laughs> this is funny because part of me was like, I just wanted to mock the question. He goes, dude, how do I get jacked? Part of me, right? Let's just explore these options. I want to go, um, here, let me Google that for you. Something like that. Like, I don't know, maybe go to YouTube, use the vast abundant resources of the internet that you obviously have access to if you're messaging me on Instagram and yet your first thought wasn't to Google how to gain muscle or even break that sentence down into more specific requests for information. You just said, dude, how do I get jacked? But at the same time, I do respect the honesty and the directness and the lack of uh, self-consciousness that comes with it with asking a, a, such a blunt stupid question and I tried to give him you know a direct response I said lift heavy weights and hit the major muscle groups at least once a week eat a gram of protein per pound of body weight get adequate sleep to recover repeat this process a thousand times and I think that's something that the entire fitness industry or at least people who are trying to profit from it so I guess industry in general is going to be biased towards misleading you away from the most basic ideas, right? Because what do I end with? Repeat it a thousand times. Well, that's boring. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't make money off this interaction, but I did give him the principles uh, that he could use to get jacked. And most guys have those basic questions. How do I get ripped? How do I gain muscle? Super simple. And the answers are very simple if you're doing nothing to advance those goals and I give you these basic principles, you can start with that and you can run with some very simple exercises. You can take a list of 10 things, would be plenty, that you can start uh, on your path to gaining muscle. If you eat enough protein, you're gonna gain muscle. Um, if you get enough sleep, you're gonna gain muscle, right? So the entire fitness industry though is as we see over and over again if i do you know a fitness fraud or a charlatan of the week it's always the same theme which is adding in needless complexity for the sake of marketing for the sake of novelty for the sake of looking cool and uh, perhaps showing off your athleticism or making it seem like the reason that my body looks jacked is because i can do these ultra complex movements um, which, you know, the two actually aren't correlated at all. You can have plenty of muscle and be t totally uncoordinated. You could have, uh, you, you could be fat and be super coordinated and flexible. We see, you know, fat dancers all the time. Right? You see these videos and people always tag me. If it's black, they'll tag Chappelle. Like, Ooh, Chappelle Wyland. Every single fat black guy on the internet. <laughs> Somebody sends me a video. It's Chappelle. Great original joke. Um, <clears throat> but... These two things aren't really coordinated and gaining muscle is remarkably simple. It's much more simple than, you know, doing anything uh, that's complex and athletic. There's a video above this, a little link that I just wanted to play real quick because this goes into this principle a little bit. There we go. This guy featured before Jeffrey Verity Schoenfeld. If you don't mind uh, turning up the volume on that. You would undoubtedly be bored out of your skull. So he says, if you watch me do my whole workout. is usually about when it comes to hypertrophy. There's just not that much variation. It's not very Instagrammable. And guess what? Most of these motherfuckers posting these Instagram, TikTok bullshit workouts, they don't even do that shit. If someone looks impressive, regardless of if they're enhanced or not enhanced or whatever, they're probably doing this same basic shit. They're just not posting that because it ain't sexy and it's not going to get the clicks. Couldn't agree more. So to recap, he's saying, um, if I were to show you my entire workout, you'd be bored out of your skull. And that's how I feel most of the time when I'm working out. I have to remind myself to take videos or add a little sentence in to make something funny if I do show a lift because part of me does feel very self-conscious about just filming my workouts and putting it up there because I feel like that information is already out there and maybe some people want to see more of it. I really don't have a great gauge on that, but I want to add humor, add something else rather than just here's how I work out because it is very boring. And when I look online to Instagram and see you know, 
either two or three movements combined, you know, like a, a lunge and a curl and a, to a press and all these things, it's unnecessary. I would rather just do like a circuit of all those individual movements and focus on one at a time. We saw him doing bent over rows in that video. Um, how much can you, would you watch an hour of me working out and taking all the rest? No, it's much more flashy to do like, uh, you know, jumping, plyometric, lifting weights, balancing, uh, doing something you've never seen before. So, you know, you're glued to the screen just going like, oh, what is that? Let me try that. That's an Instagram approach. That's a social media approach to gaining followers. And I've shot content for people and work with people who kind of like, who feel the pressure. And I know this because like, I've had conversations with them or they, they have expressed to me like the pressures that they feel of like coming up with new novel content and doing like new exercises and in new ways and adding some twist to it, but that never ends. You know, if that's your goal, then the pressure is always to like one up yourself and you're not thinking about what is best for my client, what is best, the best information, what is the best practice for actually gaining muscle. The only thing you start thinking about is how can I do this differently? Um, how can I do something that hasn't been done before, but that's not the goal or a, a primary concern of gaining muscle is doing something your body's never done before. In reality, those simple variables like using less rest time, using a little bit more weight, using a slightly bigger range of motion um, or more weight in a small range of motion um, or, you know, pausing at the bottom, all those simple little things, that's all your body needs as far as novelty, right? Uh, you know, doing a rep better with better form is the novelty. So I like that message. And just remember, you know, getting jacked isn't about some secret. It isn't about some novel approach. It isn't about the new thing. There are only so many ways to gain muscle. And I'm actually going to go over that probably next week. But, you know, it's, it's um, really comes down to mechanical tension, damage to your muscle, and metabolites, those are the only things that are gonna cause hypertrophy. And you can get you know, metabolites by like doing the, uh, the, the cutting off your circulation training, I forgot what that is, but you, know, you can take like a really light dumbbell and actually gain, you know, if you cut off blood flow to your arm, um, you know, not to the point that it needs to be amputated, but right before that point, you're gonna gain a lot of muscle, right before your arm falls off. Um, these are the only three ways that your body knows how to do it. Your body isn't going, you know, and the fourth way is if uh, you do a different bicep exercise every single day of the week, but you don't get a failure, right? So remember that. Gaining muscle is simplicity and repetition, and that's why I say you got to love what you're doing or you got to at least not hate it. It shouldn't be punishment. Find something that you do enjoy that you can repeat, and if that's not weightlifting, so be it. If you don't want to get jacked so much that you can't overcome the fact that you don't enjoy weightlifting, that's fine but do something. And I think everybody can find something that they enjoy that involves moving your body, right? It shouldn't feel like punishment. It should feel like I get something out of this that's positive and it doesn't feel like I'm, uh, you know, a masochist, right? Oh my God. This is why we can't have nice gyms. We got some links today. The title of this video is New Gym Fear Unlocked. This guy's about to do some shoulder press here. Jacks the weight up onto his shoulder. What's he got there? Probably like 115s. Oh, and it falls down. Oh, my God. Happens to the best of us, right? Because this guy is obviously a super advanced bodybuilder. He's got a great physique, tons of muscle, kicks it up, and he just doesn't, you know, what are we blaming here? The faulty chair? We blame him, he didn't check it. This couldn't have been his first set, right? I don't think you just jump to, you could, but like I wouldn't just jump to weights that big for shoulder press with no warm up whatsoever. So, good what do you think? Good bail by him. Good, yeah, very, very talented. And this is the thing it's like you gotta be good in the gym, like with failing, right? So you know, like not to throw it right in your face. But I could see somebody else. That's why you see people with dumbbells, certain things where it's like, ah, oh, you don't like, you don't know how to lift, but you also don't know how to fail, which is an art in and of itself to get these weights away from you and make sure they're not landing on your limbs and uh, delicate body parts, i.e. testicles. Let's go to the next one there. Okay. We got a guy at Planet Fitness. <laughs> And he's in the Smith machine because all they got is Smith machines at Planet Fitness. 
and he's got reverse bands, so he's even lessening the weight on the Smith machine. And if you're going to do something like throwing up the weight to give yourself room to clap, the Smith machine would be the place to do it in the first place because the counterbalance creates this, you know, this uh, smooth uh, bar path that kind of defies gravity a little bit. It comes up and down at a slower pace. It's not like you're throwing it directly up in the air. It doesn't fall at the pace of gravity, right? Uh, because the, the weight and the, the speed of the bar is lessened by the, whatever you know, mechanism is going on there. Do I know exactly what it is? No. But he's <laughs> the elaborateness of this setup has me tickled because like who brings, who's so advanced that they're going to Planet Fitness with bands in the first place, right? Those are like powerlifting reverse bands. <laughs> and it doesn't have that much on and it's like, Instead of just doing push-ups with a clap, he's got to go in the bench, put the bands on, put the weight on, and then do something that looks so easy. You know, it's like a tenth the difficulty of a clapping push-up. So you just, again, I want to interview these people. I want to go, what is going on in your life that led to this moment where you're bringing reverse bands into Planet Fitness and doing modified clapping push-ups? Like, what would you call this in his head? You know, reverse <laughs> reverse clapping banded push-ups <clears throat> come up with a name drop it in the comments let's see what you come up with and again one of those things where i go is this fake i don't know i i part of me wants to think it is because you can't be that dumb but at the same time it looks real you know everything about it looks real to me here we go let's get the volume up for this one he goes hey bro can i work in with you or how many sets you got three can i jump in with you and then he sits right in his lap and i just like it's a gym prank Right, it's not so much a gym fail, but I like that idea, and I think I'm gonna try, because what are you gonna do to me, you know? I sit in your lap, like, you're pinned, and you're turned on, no matter what gender you are. When I pop that booty down on your groin area, okay, this, <laughs> this one with a little funny story behind it. So, I posted this on Easter. Now, I am not religious, I don't celebrate Easter. I hate to break it to you if anybody had an attachment to the idea that I was, uh, you know, super orthodox in any way. Not the case. So I posted this thinking it was funny. Uh, the guy starts off with uh, a squat on his back. You know, the first clip is him squatting. He says, I only carry the weights on my back, but then it cuts to a picture, a painting of Jesus with the cross on his back. And what's the exact caption there? I only carry the weights on my back, but he carried the weight of our mistakes. Now, I posted that and some guy was like, messaged me, some guy I don't know, was like, thank you for sharing that. And I was like, yeah, man, so funny. And he's like, what's funny about it? I'm like, ooh, <laughs> because I, don't, I really don't want to mock anyone's religion and I feel like um, most of the time it's just not needed. Like I don't need to personally belittle anybody for you know, having any sort of religious belief that doesn't interfere with my life. And I think there are times when you can criticize people's religious beliefs when they transcend certain barriers, but obviously this was very innocent. I just mistook the guy's message for like thinking it was funny or seeing the humor. And, but honestly, like whether or not the poster, the original poster of this um, video meant it in like humor or not, it, it like, and so that made me rethink it because at first I'm like, oh, this is funny because he's pairing Jim and Jesus. I don't know, like what, what's your read on that? Do you think the guy intended it as a joke? Who made it? I don't, but I could. It's like because yeah, and I, I think on retrospect, I'm like, oh, you're right. This was made seriously. seriously but like, yeah. I'm so primed to be like, haha. The idea of Easter is funny to me, you know, in a lot of ways. Um, just and in part, just because of how we celebrate it, you know. Jim Gaffigan has a great bit on this where he's like, oh yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. What do we got? How about eggs? <laughs> um, Bunnies and eggs, and I and I get all that, and, and that's another conversation of the you know the remnants of of uh, pagan you know religious ceremonies that make their way into what we consider modern monotheistic religions. But that was funny to me. <laughs> Sorry to the guy that <laughs> might have felt offended by that, but I think I saved it pretty well. I was like, oh, it's just funny because it's such a contrast between the like the gym and, and Jesus, and it's unexpected and. Um, Sorry, but yeah, I just, I, I, yeah, I, I, you know, my bad. We got one more. Okay, this is also just, I wanted to set up that one with uh, <laughs> one that I was confused about whether it was a joke or not. This is definitely a joke and it still works. And even if you are religious, I think you can still find this funny. On the left, we have Jesus walking out of his tomb 
the Sunday after his death, and it's this jacked ass bodybuilder doing, you know, popping and locking really well. Like if all bodybuilding was like popping and locking during the routine, I would watch bodybuilding a lot more because that still looks cool to me. And that turns something that normally looks kind of stupid, you know, men on stage and speedos posing. Like he made that a hundred times cooler by popping and locking. What do you think? Comment below. Does the popping and locking make it better or worse? Are you more likely to watch bodybuilding if every single competitor was forced to do popping and locking during their posing routine? Or would that make you less likely to watch it? Because part of it is, you know, I've always thought like dancing It's in having muscles makes looking cool harder. A lot of people don't realize this. It's like the fact that you're bigger makes a lot of movements. Like you just look less elegant. You know what I mean? Like you ever notice this? Like when we think of like really cool people and maybe there's some modern exceptions and I think like Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of transcended that. But like the average super jacked guy looks awkward walking around. You know, like if you have really big arms, like it doesn't look good. It looks sort of like eye-catching and impressive, but like you've seen these guys in suits, by the way, like when they do like the Olympia press conference and they often wear suits and they all look like the Kingpin cartoon. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. <laughs> Character in Daredevil. If we can look him up. Um, there we go. You see what I'm saying? Like he's just got, he's just like this yeah. huge giant yeah. guy with a suit on and he's fat, but also like supposedly really, so I remember like, you know, the strength on his Marvel card was maxed out or whatever. He's supposed to be really big and strong, but he just kind of looks fat. He's That's, also 6'7". Right. He's supposed to be this gigantic, Holy super shit. strong guy. But that's, I cannot help but think of the kingpin every time I see these bodybuilders in suits. And maybe they do that less so because they're also like, maybe that's like a 90s, 2000s thing, even how the suits are tailored because now like the slim fit is much more popular. But bodybuilding for the most part looks stupid. You have to, outside the context of the gym, you kind of look ridiculous all the time, especially if you're an open bodybuilder. And uh, somehow this dude dancing skills and just being black, you know, which helps out being cool a lot. Those are two factors that make me go, God damn. And then the, the image on the right is Satan. <laughs> Let's get it one more time. Uh, the, uh, yeah, Satan realizing what just happened. It's this white kid just like, ah, no. And let's picture Jesus, Jesus right now coming out of the cross. Like, oh shit. Oh, what's up? You try to kill me. Oh, uh-uh, uh-uh, son of God. Here we go, pop it and lock it. What's that? Oh, front double bicep, last spread. <clears throat> what do we got next? Oh my God, so crazy. Do we even have enough time for this? Well, so, eat. I have probably told you guys, do I want to talk about celebrities all the time? No, but did I break that rule when I talked about Will Smith and Chris Rock slapping? Yes, the great slapping of 2022. What are my parameters for bringing up celebrity culture on this podcast? Well, it has to be something that relates to psychology or some other principle that I think is worth doing a deep dive into rather than just, this happened. Isn't that crazy and unexpected? Uh, boring, stupid. I judge people who fixate on those kinds of things. Sorry, but you're probably not that person if you're watching this show, I have to imagine. And if you are, there's still hope for you to get better. The Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial is something that I wanted to bring up for the hella personality portion of the podcast because this would be an interesting time to bring in um, a little segment on borderline personality disorder. I thought you were going to say this would be an interesting time to bring in Johnny Depp. Johnny come on Depp, in, Johnny. Hey, come on in. Come um, on in. Have a that seat. would be really cool, actually. And it's so where to start on this? In 2018, she released this letter, right? She released this open letter. And by the way, I got a recap of it this morning by a guy named Todd Grande, Dr. Grande on YouTube. And he does a lot of great, he's a, he's a professional, you know, he's a mental health professional, doctor of psychiatry, I believe. Don't quote me on that, but he's super well-informed and speaks in a, he has a really dry manner of speaking, but throws in some really well-crafted jokes that make his, his, uh, videos entertaining and I think he really goes out of his way to be as precise as possible and speak within the confines of his expertise without saying I'm not diagnosing anybody I'm just discussing you know the possibilities of what we could say in this you know he's, he's very careful to sort of give the legalese but I like that because it's true you can't diagnose anybody without giving them you know without being a, a prof 
mental health professional who actually evaluates them properly. So these are all just, you know, theories and speculations. It was interesting to me because at the time when Amber Heard came out with these accusations, it, you know, everybody's like, oh my God. And my girl wouldn't shut up about it. She kept bringing up Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp's an abuser and I've been in, you know, in an abusive relationship and this, like, she would talk so much about it that I felt compelled to ask her very politely on multiple occasions, can you please stop talking about Amber Heard and Johnny Depp? I really don't care. And my approach at the time was, um, I wasn't there. It's probably he said, she said. She's coming out to say all these things that, you know, on the surface, they seem out of character for Johnny Depp, but you never know. And I can't say that I know because... I wasn't there and anything we see publicly or even if you release a video that seems incriminating to one or both parties, um, ultimately, you weren't there for 99.9999% of the rest of their interactions to even know the context. And I think that's a mistake that we make too, like if you're in a relationship and something happens and you want to explain like why you're the good guy or why, you know, he or she's the bad guy, you forget that like, People are listening to you and you're telling the story and you want to be like, and this is the pattern and this always happened. But it's like the person listening to you, if they haven't observed that directly or they don't haven't spent enough time with both of you to really see this, it just kind of sounds like you're venting and, you know, that person can't ever have your same experience because you've been there with that person and have your observations. And that's still one side of the story. So you'd really need sort of like, you know, security cam footage of all these moments when, you know, they think nobody's watching to see what the real dynamic is. And I just think that's a much more difficult to really get at, uh, you know, in a single story or a single clip or whatever. So I'm always super hesitant. And also just in general, like celebrity relationships, who cares? They, they should be just as compelling as far as the nuts and bolts as any other relationship to me, which is not very much, you know, it's not compelling at all because, there's just so in, so much information, especially when someone's trying to persuade you like it was this, you know, dynamic always. And in Amber Heard's case, it was I'm the victim of abuse. Now, as you unpack that and you start to go like, OK, first I was just annoyed by it. But then other stuff started to come out that was like, hmm, this seems kind of counter to the narrative uh, of Johnny Depp being the abuser and Amber Heard being the victim. Right. And that was probably a couple of years after I know they had this like trial in the UK that exposed a lot of stuff. So through these uh, legal processes, we got more information and started to see that, you know, there was these funny incidents like Amber Heard taking a dump on his bed. And wait, did you know about that or not? I don't know about okay, right. so I'm like, I don't like, cause I, I was forced to do a deep dive by hearing like so much about it that I didn't want to, but that gave me the context when more came out to be like, Oh, this is the opposite of what she was saying up front. Right. You gotta be so mad to like take a dump. Yes, I yes. If you're if you're using the dump as a weapon, if you're weaponizing dumps, yes, that's next level. You're anger. Weaponizing dumps. Um, some other information that came out that I thought was really interesting was, uh, her assistant, who's there's some funny footage of her, this Australian woman. I'm sure she had multiple assistants, but her assistant it, took a dump. <laughs> I'm sure Amber Heard might have blamed it on her assistant, but she's like. You know, the, the, the during a deposition, the legal team's like, so what did you do for, you know, what were your responsibilities for Amber Heard? And she was like, two minute a list. They're like, what could you try? She's like, are you ready for a really long? And she just went through like, hey, she's like, I managed her whole life. I did this. I did that. I did groceries. I did like scheduling. I did, you know, and made it seem like this person was sort of exploiting her. And she only stayed in the job because she had grandfathered in the ability to pick up her son at a certain time and bring him to work. So she's like, I have a good gig here, but I'm definitely being underpaid and overworked and this person mistreats me on a consistent basis. And then you'd sort of notice that like, there was nobody saying that for Johnny Depp. Like everybody who came out for him, you know, had his exes even all had positive things to say and all seemed to say like the opposite of what Amber Heard was saying. And as more information came out about Amber Heard and her emotional volatility, and um, her sort of self-centeredness, like she, for Christmas one year, she had her assistant go out and like, you know, the night before, like do this whole like list of like, go get gifts for every person I know. And then like scrap that all. And was like, actually <laughs> mail them these life-sized uh, naked portraits of me. 
to every single person I know. Like, like the, the gift this year is a naked photograph of me like that's, you know, six feet tall and you're gonna send that to everyone as a Christmas gift. I just thought that was funny on multiple levels because it's like both the, you know, narcissism of like telling something, telling somebody something to do uh, and making it urgent and then like scrapping it after they complete the task and then being like, actually, I'm going to do the most self-absorbed thing any human can do, which is gift you an image of me that is so giant, it's gonna be weird to even put it up anywhere in your house. Um, so little things like that kept coming out where it's like, oh, this person seems to have sort of a bad reputation. At the time, I remember reading about her, I'm like, that sounds like borderline personality disorder. Not a lot of people know about borderline, but when you meet somebody who's had an experience with another person who's borderline, you start to see these behaviors are like, whoa, yes, I, I, yeah, that's the same thing. There's all these patterns, and I thought that was really interesting. A lot of people think it's, will mistake borderline for bipolar because borderline personalities tend to get angry really quick and then can come back down or have these mood shifts and people go, oh, you're bipolar because you're up and then you're down and you're hearing that. But bipolar is really like a persistent state of mania, a persistent state of depression. And, um, you know, borderline personality is more related to emotional volatility. Let's just read through some of this stuff and I want you to take this information and apply it to when you see Amber Heard, uh, you know, and any information that comes out about her and how she behaved towards Johnny Depp and even how she's behaving in court. What is borderline? It's a serious and complex personality disorder seen primarily in adults between 18 and 35 years old. Borderline personality disorder is characterized by mood instability, impulsivity, fears of being alone or abandoned, and poor self-image. For people with borderline personality disorder, everyday events can trigger significant changes in mood and emotional reactions. Clients who participate in our intensive DBT, which is dialectical behavior, behavioral therapy treatment community often have symptoms that include impulsivity, self-injurious behaviors, or frequent suicide attempts. The symptoms of borderline personality disorder can result in mood problems, but the illness is not defined by changes in mood. The symptoms of borderline personality disorder are relational. People with an untreated personality disorder tend to use the same approach or personality construct to cultivate relationships repeatedly. The lack of diversity in interacting with other people can lead to relationships that are confusing, difficult, and extreme. Sounds like Johnny Depp and her, huh? <clears throat> in turn, these unstable relationships or resulting isolation can cause depression and anxiety. In fact, mood and anxiety disorders frequently co-occur with personality disorders. Among patients who are in patient hospital settings, 40% of patients with mood disorders have co-occurring borderline personality. 40% of patients in hospital settings who have uh, mood disorders also have borderline. Let's just run through these symptoms. And keep in mind, the one thing that I remember now that... I, I heard and I was like, ah, that's borderline. Amber Heard was super insistent that when they were in an argument, Johnny couldn't leave. He'd like, she'd go, you always bail, you always like, you leave and we're trying to work things out. And he'd be like, you know, you hear the news recordings, he's like, I didn't need to cool down, like you're being too confrontational and aggressive and we just need to like cool down and separate. And she hated that. You could tell like over and over, multiple conversations, her number one thing was, when we're in a fight, you cannot leave me. And that sounds like somebody who thrives on that high of an argument. And I'm somebody who's like, I take Johnny Depp's approach. Where it's like, if we're arguing, like, how about I walk over there and collect myself, because I'm about to do something that I might regret, <laughs> right? And I can walk away from a fight <clears throat> and, and collect myself, because if I'm angry, I don't want to take that out on somebody. And I'll try to isolate, even when I feel it coming and we're not in an argument, if I feel angry, I'm like, I'm gonna get out of here. And then come back, you know, when that's calmed down. So, here are the symptoms. Intense fear of abandonment or rejection. Unstable or stormy relationships. Holding a, a distorted self-image that constantly influences their moods, decisions, and priorities. Engaging in impulsive actions like reckless driving, binge eating, spending sprees, quitting jobs, leaving relationships, unsafe sex, Wait, are they describing me? Feeling chronically bored, irritable, restless, and empty. Emptiness is another big one when you hear people talk about, like, I'm empty, you know, and they need to fill that void with something that's exciting, even if it's a negative excitement. Thinking of suicide or attempting suicide when under stress, experiencing intense anger, usually followed by expressions of guilt and shame, self-injurious behaviors like cutting, periods of disassociation lasting from a few minutes to a few hours. Now, <laughs> and I have some really interesting little charts here. 
Types of borderline personality disorders, petulant, unpredictable mood swings, passive aggressiveness, and a need to feel in control. Impulsive, uh, binging, risky, and aggressive behaviors. Self-destructive borderline, partaking in self-harming and abusive behaviors. Discouraged, fears of being abandoned, neediness, emotional mood swings. So I guess you could kind of be flavored in any of those directions, um, but one of them might be more prominent. <clears throat> the thing that I'll end on that I think uh, that, that Todd Grande talked about was the theory that Johnny Depp, and even he brought up this board, I wasn't aware of this until I saw this video and saw that Johnny was at some point mentioned, he thought she had borderline personality. Her need to paint him, because you go, where did this come out of in 2018? Why would you, they were already divorced and she comes out and like doesn't name him, but also makes these accusations. I mean, what kind of crazy person would do that? Now, when obviously, you know, you know who they're talking about, but you don't name him. And that's why he sued her for defamation in the first place. The, uh, the theory here is a borderline needs the person that they're in a relationship with to feel bad about themselves. They need to harm their self-image to sort of justify being in the relationship because the person with borderline knows on some level that, you know, their behavior is wrong and abusive, but they can't fully conceptualize that and internalize like they need to be the good person. Therefore, any behavior that they have towards that, uh, the victim, it has to be um, justified by, well, you brought this on yourself. You're the bad person. You're not good in some way and you only could deserve me so that the victim has to go like, you're right. You know, if you break that person down enough and they believe you're right, the best I can do is you, right? Because you go, why wouldn't Johnny Depp just leave? He has all sorts of resources and options as far as women, yada, yada. This psychological dynamic has to be set up like that so that, uh, you know, you feel like this is your best option because you drink the Kool-Aid of that dynamic. And when... Johnny Depp then actually divorces her, that whole dynamic is shattered. And she has to feel like, oh my God, he, real, you know, he realized he wasn't uh, uh, such a bad person that I'm his only option. He realized he has other options and that he's sort of better than me. So her response to that has to be totally uh, you know, going all out to discredit this person and say that actually, you know, I was the victim the entire time. And that's the only way that she can sort of sew that entire relationship up. It can't end on like, I left because I actually can do better than you. Uh, it has to leave on, no, 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 you're the bad guy. I'm still the good guy. And therefore out of nowhere, you have this you know, manifesto about Johnny Depp uh, being an abuser, which nobody else has ever said about him in his entire life. Oh my God. Are we out of time? Did we like run through the whole thing? Oh my God. Okay. Well, next week you can look forward to seeing more about Rhonda Patrick and saunas and um, micronutrient discussions with uh, information from Tyann Clark. And, oh, we're going to go into some hair tips. Okay. Because you see this right here? <laughs> well, actually, it's not as great as it could be. But, um, you know, I, I wanted to do a deep dive on some hair stuff today. So for now, you're just going to have to look at it. Okay. And if you don't like looking at my long hair, if you look at my long hair and say, oh, Mark, you should cut it. Your mom's right. You could go short on the sides and long on top and kind of spiky or maybe slick it back. Like, you're actually the hater, okay? I'm the guy who's just trying to live my life and not do anything. And like, if my hair offends you, I think it just says a lot more about who you are as a person. And I don't want you in my life. And frankly, you should unsubscribe. <laughs>